And so discipleship is twofold. I'm wasting too much time here. Becoming more like Christ, but then towards others, it's servanthood. So discipling is, I want to become more like Christ. I want to live like he lived. I want to speak like he spoke. I want to have the, the vision that he had but for myself. But then towards others, I want to be servant. With Monet, yes, I spent tens of thousands of rands on that oak. Money-wise, time-wise, energy-wise, emotional-wise. He hurt me more than anyone hurt me in, the, in a long time. He almost became like a, a son to me. And the, when his real father died, tragically, he sat me down and said, Brad, you are now my dad. <laughs> and then he lied and he, and he hurt me and he cut me. And I'm like, but I, yes, I love that guy so much. And my whole heart for him, for him was to see him come through TMT and he'd be better than me. And now he's doing better than me in so many areas. So it's to serve him. It wasn't about me. It was to serve him and to help him step into what God wants him to be. And that's the heart of the subject. And don't we see that in Christ? He comes not to be served, but to serve the King of glory, the Son of God. He left his heavenly body. Think about this. Never to be the same again. He never went back to what he was. <laughs> He's got a human body forever and ever. He's got the holes in his hands, the piercing in his side, the thorn marks on his head. He'll never go back to what he was like for you and for me so that we could become disciples and to disciple others. It's beautiful. So discipleship is a big deal. And then Jesus dies and then in Matthew 28, and then the Romans make a lie that his body was stolen because they didn't want him to be resurrected. And then what is the first thing he says to his disciples when he appears to them and he freaks them all out? He says, go and make. In other words, become like me and then serve others. Of all nations, what I love about this congregation is a lot of nations here. This is a great picture of the kingdom. Not making converts, making disciples. Discipleship takes time, energy, money, pain, suffering. It's not a quick fix. We live in a very instant society. Things in the real world don't instantly happen. Does it make sense? It's like, it feels like I've gone too deep too quick. I was hoping to be happy. You know what I'm saying? And so, becoming like Christ's servanthood, it's a sense, in the Hebrew word, it's a sense of a student-teacher, but it's a, it's a balance, it's a tension. It's being a student and a teacher, and sometimes a student and sometimes a teacher, and sometimes both. Um, the best way to describe it is, I've been leading congregations in Josh Jen for a long time, 13, 14 years, something like that. All of a sudden, I'm not leading a congregation anymore. So, I was once a teacher and a leader over leaders, and now I am a student, under Rion in the morning, and it's been glorious. We were at our elders weekend away the other day, and he was using me as an example to help the other elders submit themselves under him. And he said, look at Brett, he's come in, he's much more, I don't know what he said, he actually was very nice to me. Much more, he's got more experience, he's led congregations longer, and, but look how he's come in, and, he's, and, and then I realized he's become my papa. <laughs> and I was like, you're my papa. <laughs> he didn't really like that, because now everyone's calling a papa. But it's so cool to see this young guy passionately in love with Jesus. And man, I'm learning so much from him because he thinks different. He leads differently. And I'm going, man, why didn't I see that before? Because I'm just me. 
I do things my way, or the way and what, how God's putting me with my personality. But he's so different. And I'm like, man, I'm learning from that. Whoa. Let's put that in the bank. And so that's discipleship. And then he'll come to me going, hey, Brett, I'm really battling with this. What do you think? What is with your experience? And it's this discipleship. It's this being a student, being a teacher. And it's when it works, it's beautiful. It's like, so I got a papa. I'm like, yes, I don't have to be the papa for everybody anymore. It's been amazing. And I think it's just not a lot of people can do that because there's, there's often pride. And yes, I've had to fight pride and I've had to fight self and I've had to fight stuff. But being a disciple is becoming more like Christ, humbling yourself when you need to be, you know, just whatever God's called you to do. Does that make sense? Thinking this too, the greatest commandment is what? With all your soul, mind, strength, everything. To be a good disciple is to love. It came out in a prayer meeting. To love. The second greatest commandment that the, the whole law and the prophets hinge on is what? Love your neighbor. And then Jesus comes and he takes it one step further. Don't love your neighbor as yourself, as in the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. He changes the game. So then I'm thinking, and this is from, a, sorry, I'm going to quickly jump into something from last week. I preached on love last week. What is love? Because we always say, love each other. What is it? I know some of you guys that know the Bible are going 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient and kind. Those are both, not, it's not envy. <laughs> yeah? You're thinking that. You're like, Brad, you should know this. But those are expressions of love. What is love? God is love. Ooh. What does that mean? He's, he is all those things. He is patient. He is kind. He is gentle. It's not self-seeking. It is, but you know what I think love is? And, and it's a big aspect. It's connection. Think about it. You can't be patient with someone if you're not connected to them. You can't be loving if you're not. You can't be self-centered and connect with somebody. Think about the gospel message. And there are some that are visiting us, and we don't know if everyone is born again here. We're going to give an opportunity to end to respond to Jesus, not respond to me, respond to Jesus' love. Think about this. Garden of Eden happens. There's a disconnect between man and God because of sin. In Genesis 3, they kicked out the garden. But they're not kicked out because God is angry. They're kicked out because God wants to protect them from eating from the tree of life in a fallen state. Go read it. I think it's verse 22. Genesis 3.22-ish. And he says, they cannot eat in the state because there's no redemption there. There's no way for me to reconnect myself to them. It's the first redemptive act in, the, in, in biblical history. So he casts them out of the garden. He puts the angels in, in front of the gate so they can't get in so that there could be a redemption for them, so that there'd be reconnection. The gospel is about connection. It's about once we knew God and now we don't. Now we lost, we're blind, we're sinful, we're after our own things. We don't want to be good disciples. But Jesus comes on the cross and he dies. Not only that, he rises again on the third day. I double doggy dare you, if you're not a Christian, to go and look at Hinduism. Not one of their gods has died for you. Go read it. You won't find it. Buddhism. Buddha did not die and come back. Islam. He died. He did not come back. Jesus is the only one that died and rose again. And people saw him. 500, actually. And is still living in our hearts today. 
See, he came to reconnect. He came to, that's why he loved the Lord God with all your heart. Connection, connection, it's discipleship. You guys with me? Okay, that was a longer intro than I thought. <laughs> Student teacher, learn and be taught. Old Testament, and then I'm going to get into my, I've got a couple points here quickly. The nuance is in the, in the Old Testament is a covenant relationship. If you want to understand what discipleship is, it is a covenant relationship between Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. God comes and he says, I will have a relation with you. I'll have a covenant. I'll connect with you. I will promise you promises. You'll be a great nation. Those who come in will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. It's a big deal. Discipleship isn't a thing that we just made up. It's God commanding us to make disciples <laughs> of all nations. He's actually commanding us to love one another as we love him. Okay, so with discipleship, four eyes, because I, um, I wanted to be cool, because I knew I was coming here, and you guys are all cool. So how do we disciple effectively? Four eyes. First eye is this, intimacy with Jesus. I've, I've, I've nuanced it already. If we don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus, we can't be good disciples. Intimacy has to be priority. So um, my first scripture for the morning, young man. Before you put it up, we want to try to trick people. No, I'm just kidding. What is eternal life? Yes. John 17, 3. Can you put it up now? Surprise, eternal life. So now this is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God, Jesus Christ, whom I have sent. I know I have eternal life because I am knowing Christ. I'm trying to live for him. Am I perfect? No, by no means. Abby definitely knows that. Liz knows that. A few of you guys maybe know that. Carlos will learn how to know that. I'm not perfect, but I am intently trying to know Christ Jesus. And the word know there is to know as a husband knows a wife or a wife knows a husband. It's a very intimate knowing. It's not just, hey man, how you doing? Oh cool, have a lovely life. It's a knowing. It's a deep thing. It's that connection again back to God. And the more we become discipled by Jesus, but the more the word of God gets into us, the more our prayer life grows and the more we enjoy just him, the more we know him. The more we become like him, the more we be, are able to witness about him. Beautiful, eh? Simple. Beautiful. But intimacy takes hard work. It, it takes being exposed. There's a lot of pain in intimacy sometimes. It's just like, because when you're in an intimate place with your husband and wife, for those who will be married one day, it's a very vulnerable place to be. It's a lack of place to be, but it's a very vulnerable place. It's a very, very real place. It's a very, oh. And that's why the world takes it and perverts all that stuff, and it irritates me, because they're taking something so amazing, and they're making it so cheap. And that's the thing about the gospel. I always say this. It's free, but it's not cheap. The, the gift of salvation and love and knowing Christ and intimacy is given freely by Christ's work on the cross and resurrection. But he gave everything for us. 
And in turn, he wants everything back to him. It's free, but it's not cheap. <laughs> it's amazing. And we see this. Um, so the Holy Spirit comes. So Jesus gets baptized. Think about this intimacy thing. He gets baptized. The Holy Spirit comes in him. There's a voice from heaven. This is my son who I'm well pleased. Where does the Spirit send him straight away? Into the sucky place. The desert. Where the animals are trying to kill him and the devil's trying to kill him and he's hungry and, and he's thirsty and he's hot and he's bothered. And when we're in Israel, man, it's really arid there. It's, it's really dry there. And there's this desolate place, this isolation where he finds strength to overcome every temptation as we are tempted. And I think this is a mirror of the cross. If he didn't do it there, he would never have done it on the cross. I do believe that. And so you see, he comes out of this, a changed Messiah. But I think he took the wilderness, he took the desolate place into his everyday life. And you mean, what do you mean? It sounds terrible. Well, think about this. In Mark 1, verses 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to solitary places where he prayed. Similar nuance there to the wilderness to the isolation, to the interesting. And then Jesus would do that, but he would also take his disciples with them to those isolated places. Think about when, when Jesus said, who do the people say I am? You know, he took them <laughs> to a very isolated place where people did human sacrifices and terrible things. We were there in Israel. It was quite a bad place. And he would isolate with them, and he was like, hey, people are saying things about me. Who do people say I am? And in the quiet, in that moment, they have to make up their own minds. And only one of them said, you are the Messiah. The other was like, what the heck? We don't quite know what's going on yet. And often you'd see Jesus going, going, going. And the funny thing about him is he exposes his disciples to everything except for one thing. Can you, get, you guys know what that is? What did they ask them to teach him? Prayer. Interesting. He shows them how to cast out demons. He shows them how to... Heal, he shows them how to, how he teaches. He show, but the one thing they ask him in the Bible, it's interesting, teach us how to praise Savior. Teach us how they're seeing something of an intimacy that they don't have him <laughs> with him. And I think it's in those isolated places. Then he says, go behind the door, close the door, pray in the secret place. Interesting. Where your Father in heaven will hear you. So he isolates, he in, he's intimate with the Father. And if you think about Jesus' life, he never misses it. Read the Gospels. He's got a 100% track record. Why? Because he only did what the Father told him to do. Intimacy. Starts there. If you want to be a good disciple, intimate between you and the Lord. If you want to be a good discipler, intimacy between the Lord. You can't have one or the other. <laughs> so challenge. Dis discipline is a, is a nasty word in our day and age. If you talk about discipline, you're like evil. But think about this. If you want to be a good sportsman, discipline is the thing to get you to be a good sportsman. If you want to be a good painter, I know you've got some good, good, good artists in this congregation. If you want to be a good musician, if you want to be a good husband or a wife or a friend or a son or a father or a, whatever you do, if you want to be a good IT person or a doctor or whatever, the more time you put into that thing, the more you are disciplined, the more you give yourself to that thing, the better you'll become. The more proficient you'll become. 
the more regarded you'll become. Discipline is a very good thing. Consistency and discipline go hand in hand. Funny story. Well, it wasn't funny at the time. I was preaching once in Sunningdale when I was leading there. And I, was, I remember having quite a hard word for the congregation. And in the middle of that message, God rebuked me. Because I was overweight and I wasn't very disciplined. Now, I'm not saying I'm the most disciplined person. I'm still learning and I'm trying. <laughs> so that's a disclaimer. But I was very overweight then, very unhealthy in my eating habits. And I'm preaching. And halfway through, I realize like God is like, how dare you speak to my church like that when you are not living it the same. It was a terrible experience for me. I was like, oh, I think if I remember correctly, we kind of cut the thing short. And we, I went to Abbey. I said, baby, I have to change. And I remember that and someone put something on Facebook that I looked like Uncle Fester. So it all kind of came together. It was that when Josh, the Joshkas were here. You know, remember, no, remember the Joshkas? Anyways, terrible, terrible time in my life. And I remember, I'm like, babes, okay, I'm going to stop drinking Coke. I'm going to stop eating stuff. I'm going to... And then the next day is a flipping birthday party that I'm taking our kids to. And I'm there, and I'm like, <laughs> like all the cake and the, oh, it was terrible. But the discipline came is, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to eat that. It was hard. It's still hard. Still trying to be disciplined in my health and in my emotional thing and in my thing. And my, because I want to be a good steward of intimacy with the Lord and with others. I can't expect others to follow me as I'm not following Christ today. Not living my life a holy, pleasing one to him. So I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. And I think, okay, so. So it's intimacy for yourself and then bringing other people into it. Something that I'm laughing a little bit, and Abby tunes me on this a lot. She's like, I don't see you praying. I don't see you worshiping because I've been closing the door too much. And she's right. I was like, what the heck are you talking about? The Bible says, go into your room, close the door. You're not biblical. No, I'm just kidding. And what you, and I'm only getting it now, I'm like, ah, oh, it's that model, and I'm not very good at this, so this was my, I, I find it awkward to like, because I don't even know what God's doing half the time in my mind, I'm like, oh, I feel, like, I don't know what I feel, Lord, ah, you know, very vulnerable place to be, Abby's been asking me, like, Brett, just show me a thing, and I'm still trying to figure out how to translate that, I don't even know, like, often I'll bring in my preachers, and she'll read through, oh, this is going to be terrible, <laughs> Because my mind is just weird. I'm like, it's just got like, this weird thing that God does. And then it comes out fine-ish. <laughs> oh, okay, babes, okay. But it's just, it's just, it's just, it's, and, and what she's saying is, bring me into intimacy with the Lord. She loves praying when I pray, because apparently I'm more open. She sees my heart. So I've been trying to do family quiet times. They're working kind of. Kids look stoned half the time. <laughs> Sorry, Wes. Love you, bro. That's <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm not getting lunch today. And so it's, it's, it's bringing people into that. <laughs> uh, okay, let's uh, So that's, oh, that way, took way too long. Anyway, so, so first thing is intimacy. Second thing, you should go quicker, is interconnection with people. So, so we're intimate with the Lord, but then we're interconnected with people. Inter- and I used interconnected because I wanted to use an R word, partly, but it's also... Discipleship's not a one-way road. It's a two-way road. And if I think I'm the guru, and I'm just telling people what to do all the time, that's not Jesus-like. 
Does it make sense? It's got to be interconnected. I've got to be willing to be taught and to teach, to glean and to give, to serve and to be served. It's this dichotomy of biblical tension again. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. It's amazing. In other words, it's formal and informal. Some comic relief. It's formal and informal. You see Jesus, 12 random people, mostly bones and delinquents. Very similar to me, actually. And you, if you're honest. Tax collectors, fishermen, one doctor, so he did that right, Luke. And it almost feels random. And this will be my next point, so I don't want to overdo it. Maybe I shouldn't do it now. Let me do it later, because then I'm messing my own. But um, he's interconnected. He's, okay, okay, actually I can do it. He's intentional. So he walks up to you like Peter and John. Hey, follow me on the beach. Hey, follow me. It almost feels like if you're reading that, it's like Jesus is random. He just walks up to random oaks and, hey, follow me, follow me. But if you read just a few verses earlier, the word says he spent 12 hours praying through the night. Then he walked down the beach and went, follow me, follow me, follow me. You see, interconnection is intentionality. Jesus is never not intentional. And so we want to disciple people unintentionally, haphazardly. Oh, when I feel like it, if I'm having a good day, then I'll be good. If I'm no, we 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 live by faith, not by feelings. We actually live by faith and not by sight. This one of my pet hates right now. Well, not a pet hate, pet dislike. Let's use a dislike, it's a better word. Is I'm hearing Christians saying, if God chose me, I will do and go and there. That's not faith. That's living by sight. If he says, hey, go there, it's easy to go there. If he says, go there, but he doesn't tell you how it's going to look, it's a whole different thing. Faith doesn't make sense. Sometimes you can't see faith. I mean, Abraham is like, hey, go to that land. Okay. Now what? And every step, the word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. It's like one step, okay, another step. Another, oh, a light up a little bit more. God doesn't always give you the bigger picture. And what I'm seeing in Christians today is I'm only going to go if God makes a sign in the heavens and then some plane comes and spells out the country that he's calling me or the host pop changes into a thing or some angel appears to me like, oh, you will go to there because you're chosen. No, that's not faith. That's something else. So I'm not saying God can't do that. Please hear what I'm saying. You know what? I'm, I don't want to get disciplined after this, but... Sometimes God says, hey, go, and he doesn't give you a game plan. That sucks. Every time we've moved congregations, Andrew's gone, we want you there. Cool. Biggest question I get is, what did you do to pray about knowing a God? Oh, I didn't have to pray. What? Honestly, that's a what? You didn't pray. No, I didn't pray. I didn't pray when I went to, from Sunday down to HBPM. I didn't pray between HBPM and AM. Andrew said, go. I said, cool, you're my leader. That's what you want? That's wild, hey. Because I've got faith that he's leading me well. And it's, we've done, it's been great. Still don't know how that plays out, but that's faith, right? Faith is not seeing. It's believing. Someone said good. I agree. Interconnection. It takes faith to lead people. It takes faith to be intentional. This is highlight quickly. We can't fall into the trap of becoming an Instagram church. 
maybe it's relevant in the City Ball congregation. Instagram church is this. We put up our best picture when we come to church. We look cool. Got the filters on. Posed. I mean, we're looking good. We're walking. I'm rocking with Jesus. Woo, be disciple. I've got intimacy. I'm interconnecting. But behind the scenes, when you take the filter out, the, the world is falling apart. That's not what God's called us to be. <laughs> he's, he's called his church to be messy and uncomfortable. And man, sometimes I want to punch people in the face. I'm just being honest. Sometimes you want to punch people in the face too. Come on. Because sometimes people are just so, ah, why can't you listen? Why can't you just be nice to me? When I get into Esme AM, when the old lady comes to me, she goes, I just don't like you. It's just like no filter. Like, I don't like you. Ooh, sorry. But I did say, you will like me sooner or later. <laughs> and then I find that she's in one of the community groups I oversee. And I come in there. She's like, still, I don't know what I did. I don't know if it's my cap or I don't know. It was like, I don't know. I'm quite a nice guy if you get to know me. Thank you. Who's that? You're coming to my house for dinner. Anyways, I'm running out of time here. <laughs> Where else I going with that? So, oh, yes. And then I preached on love last week. It's like my second time preaching in the congregation. And then, I don't know. Well, I didn't put in my notes, but I just told them a little bit of my story of how God called me when I was 15. And how I messed up, like I panicked. And it was a, we went into this hut, and, a, and a, I was on a mission trip for a girl. It was bad. It was really bad. I was 15, okay. So and then on the bus trip there, I live in, let me tell the story. I live in Durban, mission trip in Optata. So it's about a nine, ten-hour trip on the bus. I'm reckoning if I go on this mission trip, this girl is going to like me. On the way there, my best friend asked her out. Ter- I know, I know. For <laughs> So now I'm in the middle of the bush for a girl that doesn't like me. We go to this, I didn't even want to be there. I, know my, I mean, I love Jesus, but I was, I was naive and I was young. Anyway, so we get into this village and it was a nightmare getting there. The bus got stuck in mud and we lost shoes and the mud was uptown. It was, so as we get to this first hut, the, the lead guy, the leader, is like, hey, bro, share something. And I panic. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to be here for the right reason. So, so I get in this hut and there's this little old lady sitting in the back round corner darkness and I pointed and I said if you don't give your life to Jesus you're going to hell <laughs> everyone's like oh you know like this is nice. you know like when you fight at school and everyone like makes a big circle around you that's kind of what it happened I'm looking around like no one else around me I'm like oh I think you'll say something wrong here anyways long story short short story long she was Sangoma of that area she, she gave her life to Jesus in that moment not because of me because of Christ's power right but the, the cool thing about it, as I walked out of a hut, I felt, for lack of a better sense, the power of God coming through whoo, my body. And he said this to me, I will give you a love for my word and a love for my people. That's the only reason why I'm ministry. If it was for anything else, I'd be, probably be dead right now because it's not the funnest place to be sometimes. And I shared that in the meeting and this old lady that didn't like me, I don't like you. She comes to me after the meeting last week. Can I give you a hug? Like, I want you. I told you. <laughs> you were like me. I was intentionally winning a heart. <laughs> okay, one more thing on this point. <laughs> I need to move on. So, I'm actually, let me move on. So, being intentional is there's no shortcut to life experience. Um, so, 2 Timothy 1.7, if you can. Young man, you're doing very well, by the way. Thank you. 
Um, so it says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And so when it comes to being intentional, we need power, we need love, we need self-discipline. We can't back down. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God to bring people to salvation. I've been called many things because of Christ. I'm cool with that. Jesus is intentional. So think about this. Mark 4, 35. You, don't, you, uh, you can put that up if you want. Uh, when we're in Israel, we're on the boat on the Lake of Galilee. We've come from Galilee. We're going towards where Jesus would have been going. It's about 10 kilometers. And the guy was saying, we don't know, I mean, biblically, we, we're putting things into place here. But he reckoned when the wind was a certain direction, Jesus would have heard this guy, demon-possessed guy, on the other side of the lake, 10 kilometers away. So you get to the, get to the evening, and the, Jesus was just finishing with the crowds. And he says, hey, we're going to jump in the boat and go across the lake. Seems haphazard. Huh. In the middle of that, there's a storm, and the disciples freak out, and Peter gets in the water. And that's not actually about the story. That's just a free, free, free gift. Then he gets to the other side and there's this demon-possessed man that's living in the tombs and no one can chain him and he's cutting himself and he's burning himself and there's a legion of demons that eventually come out and fall into the pigs and then they die. And the guy was saying, he's saying, Jesus was lying on the boat with a cushion. This guy was naked, but then all of a sudden he was clothed. And he was saying in the Hebrew culture, Jesus brought him garments to reclothe him, to make him whole again. You see, wherever, the lady at the well, Zacchaeus up a tree, man, I could go for days. Everything that Jesus did was deliberate, intentional. And the demons come out, and he's clothed, and then this man comes, and he says, sorry, can you put that up again? Uh, that day when evening came, said to disciples, let's go over to the other side. It almost feels like, What? And then this man comes and begs to be one of Jesus' disciples. And he said, no, 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 you go to your friends and your family. And you go tell them what I've done. It's one of the only times that Jesus says, go and tell. Intentional. Are we intentional? Are we interconnecting with people? Are they in our lives? And like even with Jesus, it's formal, informal. People are in my home all the time. And they're with me at church. You know what they say? Brett, you're kind of the same. I'm like, that's a good thing. I'm the same as if I preach. I'm the same on the sports field. Maybe I get a little bit more intense on the sports field sometimes. I'm pretty much the same guy. I love Jesus. It's, and you see Jesus in the synagogue. You see pe people with him at his personal capacity. He's the same. Okay, and then lastly. So let me just quickly recap because I merged the two. So it's first intimacy with Christ. It's interconnection with people. Being intentional with him. And then maybe this, sorry, coming back to the no shortcuts. I've got 30, five, oh, my time's over, awkward. Can I go another five minutes? Is that right? I put a 35-minute clock on it. It went way too quickly when you're having fun. There's no shortcuts to this. 1 Timothy 4.12, can you put that up for me, please? Paul's writing to Timothy, he's a young guy. And here's the way I got that 40 years old or under. When I did my research, kind of like when Jesus comes into his 30s, he becomes a man more mature, that's where his ministry starts. But 40 was also regarded as just be 
becoming old, if that makes any sense, or mature. It says this, young people. So anyone under 40, this is mainly for you, which is amazing. Don't let people look down on you because you're young, but set an example. See, discipleship is that. It's setting an example. It's intimacy. It's interconnection. It's intentionality. It's setting an example. I can't be an example to you if I'm not living like Christ wants me to live. I was thinking about this the other day. Taking the Lord's name in vain is probably more than just using his name as a swear word. What if taking the Lord's name in vain is saying that you're a Christian, but you're not living like he wants you to live? You take that label on you. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, but you're living like the world. Isn't that taking his name in vain? Anyway, set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. So think about this. Thank you for your testimony. Man, you had me in tears. I was just like, how cool is this though? I haven't lost a wife. I don't know what it feels like, and it must suck, but you do. Now, God can probably use you to disciple someone else one day to help them go not as bad as you went through. Oh, see, life sucks. <laughs> and it's hard sometimes. And even Christ says it. He warns us, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart. There's no shortcut. If you don't know what it is to have a bond and the pressures of that and buying a house or having a kid or you, and what young people do badly is this. They speak beyond their words. They, they, sorry, they speak beyond their years. They speak of things they don't know. And then old people go, you don't know what you're talking about. Where you can speak in what you do know. And you can be an example where you are in your life. You don't have to. I've met a, very, a lot of very old people who are very young in the Lord and immature. And I've met a, a lot of young people in the Lord who are very mature in the Lord. So it's not about an age thing, this discipleship thing. It's about an intimacy with Christ thing. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So there's no shortcut for life experience at all. But God has put you where you are right now. So that you can be discipled by some, but also disciple others through what you've gone through. Abby's come through depression over the last couple of years. She's winning in so many areas. I don't know what that feels like necessarily. She does, though. She can help others, and she is to a certain degree. Think about it. God's put you in a place. You've gone through sucky things in your life. It's not only for you, guys and girls and ladies and gentlemen. It's for discipling of others. With Rian, come back to him quickly. I've always wondered why, Lord, have I always been the youngest in the teams I've led? Why have I had to go through so much hardship with eldership teams? My first eldership team I ever took over was Sunningdale. That first week I got there, literally, I came in, first week I took over, two of those elders on the team sat me down individually said, saying this, Brett, we don't believe you're the right guy to lead us. I believe I'm the right guy to lead us. I'm not my, we're not submitting ourselves to you. We know more. We've been in ministry longer. We're more gifted. That's what they said to me. I'm like, welcome to Leadership 101. And I'm going, God, why did you put me through? I had years of sleeplessness. One of those guys is still in Joshua, and the other is not even serving the Lord. The one was able to shift his heart and follow the gift that God has put on me somehow, and the other couldn't, and he's nowhere. Now my, my question's been answered, because now I'm with Rian, who's the youngest guy on the team, who's battling to have all the guys follow him. And I'm going, dude, I know your pain. 
I know what it feels like. I, and I'm like, I'm your guy. I'm 100% behind you because I know what it is to be you because I've been there for so many years. I will do everything I can to take the pressure off you so you can be awesome. So after 20 years of ministry, finally I understand. Wow. Amazing. Whoop. You know what I'm saying? So put your life, your situation, all those things in there, and I'm going to start ending right now. Last is this. Invest. So it's intimacy, interconnection, intentional. You guys are listening better than I am. And then invest. Go deep, go out. Jesus said, go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go deep, go out. That's why I love having the com, com here. I've just taken over the oversight of the com, and they're all here. Amazing. Well done to you guys. Getting out, visiting other congregations. Probably a little scary because these guys are good looking and they all. But it's like going out. I love the nations. And I love the local and I love the balance between them because if you don't go, you don't grow. But then I learn and I come back and I'm like, I want to implement this. I love Brazil. I go there a lot because I learn so much there and I'm like, I want that passion. I want that hunger. I want to do that. The one church when the salvation's come, they pop this thing. And he's like, I want that. I want glitter. I did, I did say to Rio, no, I want that. He said, but are you going to clean up after? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> investment, is, investment is a very hectic thing because you're putting away, putting away, putting away, and you don't really know when that thing's going to bring fruit. Think about it. If you're investing into your future, you should be. Retirement, life policy, or whatever, if you go and leave your wife, cool stuff, hey, watching you. Often, when I don't know if we're cool, I just lower the life insurance so Abby doesn't. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Investments normally grow slow. And sometimes you're surprised. Just a joke. It was just a joke. I went too far. I got, it. I got carried away. I panicked. Went, went too far. Investments, you put away and you put away and you put away. I was hit by a motor car on my motorbike the other day. I've been putting in... It's insurance for all these years. I'm like, can't I self-insure? It's just, I'm throwing this money away. The moment I got hit by the car, freedom. Got my bike fixed for free. No, it doesn't mean for free. It's because I've been investing. And the thing about church is this. The general rule is that I've found is the more you invest in people, the more opportunity they can hurt you. But because of my intimacy and my interconnectivity and my the other one, babe? Intentionality. It's actually fine. It's worth it. We came back to Edgemead. Man, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I think between like 2000 and 2010-ish. I mean, I haven't seen some of these kids for ever. They were chocolate kids. Just the other day, like someone walked to me, you won't understand because of your, that one message that I've forgotten about 100 years ago. My, my daughter gave her life to Jesus, and she's still serving the Lord because of you. I'm like, whoa, 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 easy, yeah. That's because of Jesus, not because of me. But I know what I was saying. I was intentional in that kid's life, and all of a sudden, boom, they're following. And I didn't even know. I didn't even see them. It was just by chance we met in the shops. So you never know <laughs> what your investment is going to bring, but you need to invest. And it's probably going to suck, and it's going to cost you everything. Again, remember, salvation is free. It's not cheap. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be resource-driven. It's going to be time. 
But because of Christ, it's worth it. I'm going to end there because it's been way too long. Christ's heart for you. This isn't me. Christ's heart for you. I didn't die for you. He did. <laughs> it's his church. He's building the church. He's the head of the church. <laughs> we're, just, we're just servants. His heart for you is that you be discipled, that you open your life to people. I have friends and not so good friends that are discipling me intentionally all the time so that I can hopefully be more like Christ. And somewhere along the line, there's glimmers where I can do that for others. Are you up for the task? Are you this, one, are you this Instagram church where you put your best foot forward? Last week, I had this hectic word, and I, I'm always afraid to throw this thing out. I'm like, I feel like someone wants to commit suicide in the service. And I throw this word out, and I'm like freaking out because I don't want it not to be God. You know what I mean? Like, like someone here wants to commit suicide, you've lost everything, and I'm feeling it so strong. I'm like, oh, God. No one responds until yesterday. I got a WhatsApp. Brett, you won't believe it. It's me. But how can I lead worship and say that I want to commit suicide at the same time? I'm like, dude, <laughs> your friend. Come on. This is God you're responding to, so you could be a better disciple, man. And so we're going to go into a time of ministry. I don't know. Do you want to go? Must I have to go? You go. Let's just go together. Let's do it together. <laughs> just it's, it's interconnection. <laughs> Let's do that. Come. Thank you, God, for this amazing moment just to be with you. You're calling us to be your disciples, to carry your name. Lord, you're calling us to be more like you. And Lord, we don't want to be the people that have nibbled so much of the world's table, Lord, that when we come into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that we are full and there's no space for the great. And so this morning, Father God, we want to pray that as we just spend a few more moments with you, allowing your word to penetrate our hearts that is living and active and effective to make us more like you. That Lord, we'll respond not to a man speaking, or to amazing songs sung, the Lord, that we'll respond to the King of glory, the name above every name, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord.